Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Tracks Disc 2. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, or should I say, you are listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. Welcome to wherever you happen to be in the world. Yeah, I always hate when people say welcome, and I do it all the time. Welcome to an, an audio medium. We've talked about this before. <laughs> welcome to a pre-recorded existence. <laughs> Especially since so many of us are going so few places. Like, welcome to seems like an abstract. Yeah. It, it seems like an antiquated idea in general, you know? Yeah, welcome Other than, to well, my house where I've been for yeah. six, what, no, two months. Unless you're saying, like, welcome to the hospital or welcome to hell. Welcome, yeah. you know, like those kinds of things. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. it's it, it's meaningless. So uh, yeah. anyway, we're a Bruce Springsteen podcast. We t- we used to talk about every song one by one in alphabetical order, but now it's season two, and we're talking about every album one by one in chronological order. And we're sort of like stopped down. I, we realize like people have been quibbling over whether or not tracks is an album. Obviously, it's not. It's a box set, but whatever. It's a significant portion of Bruce Springsteen's body of work, so it'd be wrong to just ignore it all out. So we're going oh, yeah. week by week for a month. And we're going to talk about one disc of tracks at a time. We and are today, dedicating it. That's right. And last, to last everyone time, out there who has, has ever accused us of not being meticulous enough. Oh, has that ever happened? I feel like we've been so granular. We had a whole episode about like every single one of these songs. We had a whole episode about what was the one where he's like, Monday, I'm on my mind. Uh, what, what is the name of that song from the greatest hits CD? It's the most forgettable Bruce Springsteen song in the history of songs. I, I can't even think of it right now. It's, uh, <laughs> this is embarrassing. Why can I not think of the name of this song? It's the, it's the Happy Days theme song. What is it? Where's without you. Is it? It's without you. Oh, uh, without you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Lord. Good catch. Yeah. We did a whole episode about that one that we clearly remember very well. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, I'm Rob. That's JB. What's up? Hey, we're on Zoom tonight. We've been a uh, little, little behind this, behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, we we had been doing Skype, and I've been recording it through Skype. But then I upgraded my laps, my laptop software to Mac Catalina, which I've been resisting for quite some time. And the recording software for Skype disappeared, so now we're on Zoom. So if we sound different, that's why. But it's fine because I've hated Skype for approximately four and a half years. So. It's yeah, <laughs> it's the worst. You know, one thing about Catalina that's great is they have the background image. They've like taken, they've done like a, uh, they have a couple of background images for the desktop that they've taken like time-lapse photos or video of. And so like as your day progresses, the background changes time as well. That's pretty cool. Uh, whenever you think like, why do we pay so much for these products that aren't that much better than the P- like the PC com- competitor? Uh, it's because we don't deserve something that thoughtful in our lives. That's a good point. <laughs> it's so pretentious. So if you're stuck in a windowless bunker, so you meticulous. can still know basically what time of day it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's keeping me afloat these days. I texted yeah. my coworkers the other day, or we were in a meeting, and I was like, it ended at 11. I was like, oh, and by the way, for any of you who need something to live for today, Taco Bell's giving away free uh, Doritos Locos tacos. <laughs> I wasn't even trying to make a joke. <laughs> Hey man, sometimes it's the little things. It's the little going. things, man. Hey, speaking of that, before we get into tracks, this too, I did want to sort of do a, a check-in, like because at the very beginning of this thing, a hundred years ago, you and I sat down and we talked about the like some goals, some things that we were going to try and catch up on or watch or things that we would recommend. Is there anything that in the last week or two you've been consuming, reading, listening to, uh, watching that you feel like I'm enjoying this? Yeah, so I finally beat like I finally beat a bunch of video games that I've been sitting on for a while. And I, I enjoyed all of them. The new Star Wars game, the Assassin's Creed, the newest one. Ooh. That's like two years old at this point. The, yeah, like some some Tropico. Ooh. Yeah. The new Assassin's great. Creed game, I tried to play, and it, I got really bogged down in a lot of like the, like collecting deer skins and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So like, does that, it picks up, did. does it get better? Yeah. The story is great. Just play that. You don't have to do all this other stuff. You can, but like do the story. It's, I mean, it's really like, good. Just in like the training stuff. Like, you need to like you know like the the early stuff where they're just, they're basically just like teaching you how to use the controls. I think oh, yeah, it gets it's way like better this than person's that. watering hole has been contaminated. You know, like so yeah, it gets better than that. Okay, cool. I'll have to check that out. Well, so you've been playing some video games and enjoying them. Yeah, and I finally started reading some books again. Oh, that's been good. I got through Come a bunch. I'm reading uh, Sing Unburied Sing, 
by uh, Jasmine Ward. She is a, a fellow University of Mississippi employee. That book's and, uh, won some awards. Yeah, <laughs> and it's incredible. And I just read uh, Heavy by Kiese Lyman, who, Lehman, who is also a, a University of Mississippi employee uh, mm. in the English department. And that was a, that's one of the best books I've ever read. What, and like, say, say the name of it, Heavy? It's called Heavy. Okay. Yeah. It's like top 10 books I've read ever. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, can you send me the, like an Amazon link or something so I can make sure yeah. I do that? Because yeah. you, you do a good, um, it's, it's very rare that you'll recommend a book that strongly and it not be very good. So right. I'll, I'll follow you down that rabbit hole. I give good recommendations, man. Yeah, you do. Everybody thinks they give good recommendations. You actually do of, give good recommendations. I got a lot of flaws, but that's not, that's not one of them. <laughs> As long as it's not emo music, I, I can usually follow you down almost any <laughs> recommendation trail. You got to get into some emo music, man. I'll find I, you something that you can get into. I, I mean, the closest I, I've come is like, I, I enjoy quite a bit of Death Cab for Cutie stuff. And uh, does Jimmy World count as emo? Is that, or is yeah. that just pop punk? It's both. It, it really rides the line. It depends on what record you're talking about. Okay. Because I like Jimmy World. And I like... Yeah. Like Death Futures is super emo. Yeah. Uh, well, most of the first record is emo except for like the hits you know yeah well and we'll talk more about jimmy world in a bit but um so yeah any, anything else that you've been consuming no nah, man what about you uh well oh, the good fight the good fight is weird this season but i'm the good fight was weird my kind of weird last season was not my kind of weird this season is my kind of weird i i have one question is michael sheen in the season not yet okay great that's that's what I'm, i was hoping for I, I, I got so tired of his like why are you so tired of his character he's basically like what if al pacino and sin of a woman but like 10 percent more and i just i can't like ha i'm overacting in every scene ah, i'm on cocaine yeah. all the time he's like man so bad i don't i don't need that in my life i it's it's nice as a garnish but when you're gonna dedicate like half the season to that guy i just i can't i, I just can't even do it so yeah man i, I will if he was like opposing counsel yeah, you know like for one episode yes or even a couple you know all right but he was in most of the season and ended up like facilitating yeah. a major character arc for what was the main character of the show so and one of the best and yeah. is now just nowhere to be seen that's ridiculous what a ridiculous thing that they did um, well, Caroline and I uh, just finished watching Waco on Netflix, which it, I, I guess it came out a couple of years ago. It was on the Paramount Network, but yes. I, I think the Paramount Network did not do very well. And so I think most of their content ended up elsewhere. So, uh, Dude, that is an incredible series. It's very good. I got to tell you, uh, I've, I mean, hot take. I've never been a big fan of David Koresh, but uh, <laughs> they do a good job of not necessarily making, I mean, he's a little bit sympathetic. He's still kind of a turd, but uh, they do a good job of humanizing everybody else in the branch of it in compound and really doing a good job of letting you know, like, man, maybe the a AF or the ATF and the FBI, not necessarily the good guys in this story, you no. know? Um, so, which is funny. Cause I remember it happening. Like I was like, we used to go to Waco a bunch. We used to go to Baylor football games all the time when I was a kid. And right. so I mean, when you went, you went to, you lived in Waco for a while, not then, but you Later on, yeah, when I was in grad yeah, school. Yeah, but you were so, like, you were like very aware of Waco. Wait, yeah, like, wait, like, uh, a friend of mine was like, I've been watching this Waco show and I'm having a hard time knowing how this leads to Chip and Joanna Gaines starting a business. Yeah, um, right. It was the other thing that Waco is best known for. Anyway, the, the series is very good. I, I, I really enjoy it. It's six parts. It flies by. It's, uh, it's incredibly watchable. So there was that. And then I also randomly, just last week, I decided to do just like a quick, like REM re-exploration of their whole body yeah. of work. So I watched two live DVDs of REM concerts and I, I tweeted a few days ago, like I'm really sad. I never got to see REM live because that's, and that's why, because I was like, man, they were good. And they just so definitively in 2011, we're like, we're done. We're not going to, no more albums, no more tours. We're just going to stop. And we're, yeah. we, we don't hate each other. We're not mad. We just don't want to do, we don't want to be REM anymore. <laughs> so they yeah. just like packed up their stuff and went on home. And uh, this was fun. These were good songs. Yeah. We'll see you later. And they were good songs. And I thoroughly enjoyed watching those uh, live DVDs. So uh, Waco and REM. So really keeping up with the times with my, uh, I'm, I'm really just looking for comfort food. Right. <laughs> and I've also been also uh, like rewatching the West Wing, like slowly. So I can. Oh, I need to do last. that. Yeah. It's, it's Have you, good. I'm rewatching Scrubs right now. Ooh, I'm that I'm I'm headed that way. I'll be doing that. And, and digging back in or digging into for the first time, Superstore. Oh, I like Superstore. Yeah, I've been, I've, yeah. I'm in like season two of Superstore. It's it's pretty good. All right, so that was the check in. 
was a little check-in we just did. So yeah. uh, I guess <laughs> this segment, so those of you, Rob and JB check-in. Yeah. <laughs> Rob and JB check-in. <laughs> anyway, um, so for those of you who tuned in to hear us talk about tracks disc two, let's do it. So tracks, when we, and we covered all the basic facts about tracks last week. Is a box set came out in November of 1998. It was, it's just this giant massive compilation of uh, Bruce Springsteen outtakes from 1973 all the way back, or really, I guess 1972, if you count the demos, but uh, all the way up to like the most recent stuff that he had done up to that point. Cause you know, Bruce Springsteen writes a lot of songs and he doesn't put every song on every album. And so it turned out there were 350 songs that he had recorded that he never put anywhere. So he whittled it down to 66 <laughs> and put them out on this box set. So many, man. So it was a four disc CD box set. We talked about disc one last week. Today we're talking about disc two. Also, by the way, JB, I don't know if you knew this. Stephen Van Zandt has called Tracks Disc Two the best E Street Band album. That's not true, but it's got some. I've got some some uh, some strong feelings towards some of these songs. Well, here's the thing: most of the songs on Tracks Disc Two were also included on the River Collection, the Ties That Bind colon the River Collection. Yeah, which so is a the, great. Which is yeah. like it's a, a really nice, just version of the like extended river. You know, yeah. it's great. It's like, because yeah, in it, there's an alternate dimension in which this this disc is basically what the river ended up being. You know, yeah. And and really, this disc more than anything else makes me kind of resent the fact that they were charging eighty dollars for the ties of the bind box set because yeah. <laughs> most of us who are willing to pay eighty dollars for the ties of the bind box set already had almost all of these songs. Yeah. So. Um, those that's one thing Bruce seems like a really like a man of the people when it comes to like uh you know concert ticket prices and like doing lots of events and stuff but his like he puts out a thing that you pay for that's right yeah He'll put two new songs on it it'll be like that'll be eighty dollars please that's right ah <laughs> uh, yeah that did happen so yeah his book was the most reasonably priced thing you know that's a really good point is it was yeah. not that he's unreasonably priced just like compared to his his sort of like ethos you know i think 80 dollars for a bunch of songs that we've already heard with no option for like just buying the, the new stuff i think yeah. that that is unreasonable but you well, know you're also that. you also had to have the packaging i didn't have that i never bought the packaging oh I, you I, bought I, I, I just wanted the songs on itunes yeah paid 40 bucks for each of those bad boys well let's I'll, I'll i'll talk we'll talk off the air about like how much i actually ended up paying for it i, I didn't uh columbia records didn't get 80 of my dollars i'll tell you that right now they wanted it that's funny um so i may have i may have circumvented certain systems Some i paid for it in other ways you know how many you know how many copies of born to run on vinyl i've bought three bruce got my money don't worry so Anyway, um, yeah, so there, so one of, the, one of the reasons, see, and, and we'll talk about this in a minute when we get into Restless Nights, but a lot of the songs on this disc were river outtakes that Stephen Van Zandt really wanted to include. Stephen Van Zandt was, is yeah. credited as a producer on the river. And so all, a bunch of the outtakes, Bruce took them off, but Steve really liked those songs. And so he fought pretty yeah. dang hard for a lot of these songs. And so he looks at this and is like, man, this is the best album I produced that never got released. And, and so I, I think he's got some feelings about that. So that's probably one of the reasons why he's like, yeah, that's the best Easter band album tracks this too. Yeah. So, yeah. Any initial thoughts before we get into the track by track, the tracks. This tracks. is the one I've probably got the like the highest ratings for, I got to say. That's probably, I think that's probably true for both of us. This, this is. Oh yeah. yeah far it, away. Far it's, away. It, it's hard to argue that this is not the strongest of, of the discs in the tracks box. You could round both of our ratings of this record up to a four. Oh, disc. that's pretty good. Well, this has and the rest th of them are all rounded to three. I mean, to two. Yeah, to three. So that's, I, I think this is the only disc that has a Hall of Fame song from us. It right? does have a Hall of Fame song and none of the other ones do. I think that's right. Which, I mean, yeah. out of 66 songs, the fact that we included one in the Hall of Fame from this entire box set and it, it's on this disc, that I think that says a lot. So yeah. Uh, it says a lot about how you and I respond to it, at least. I don't know if it says a lot yeah. about anything else. All right. Well, then let's, let's get into the track by track. So track one of disc two is Restless Nights. Yeah. It's just like a pretty straightforward rock song, like uh, kind of pop rock song. It's really good. It's got a little crooning. It's got a little longing, but it's got fun. It's got like fun uh, call and response vocals yeah. in the chorus. So. And it is, as mentioned before, it is an outtake from the river. It's also included on the Ties of the Bind box set. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. It's, it's a very radio friendly pop song. In, in fact, yeah. Bruce told Rolling Stone magazine that he'd been listening to a lot of power pop records during this period of time, which everybody who's heard this is like, no way. Really? <laughs> um, he, 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 said, he says he was listening to a lot of like the raspberries and that definitely shows up in yeah. a lot of these songs. And l- like I said, Stephen Van Zandt talks about how much he really likes a lot of these songs. He talks about this song and several other songs on this disc with a lot of frustration because Bruce kept discarding these songs that are really good. And this is what, in 2016, when they were promoting the River Tour bo- or the Ties of Mind box set, this is what uh, Steve says for Rolling Stone. This is a quote. He says, it's something you can't take for granted. That's what made me mad sometimes. I get angry with him. Here I am struggling to write a good song. Every effing one of them is war. And I'd be like, hey, man, you're annoying me here. You take, <laughs> you're taking this shit a little bit for granted. What do you mean <laughs> you're throwing out this song other people would have a career with? Restless Nights, that's a career. That's what Little Steven says about this one particular song. Yeah. He's getting so mad at Bruce. Like Bruce is just like coming in. This like, is a career. <laughs> yeah. He's cutting it. He's like showing up. He's just like pissing excellence. And, and Bruce is like, I don't think I'm going to include it. And Steven Van Zandt was like, I am going to throw you out the window. <laughs> like he's getting so mad because Bruce is like throwing away like career making songs for any other artist. Yeah. And he's not wrong. Like these are great songs. Yeah. You know, as, as a song, like songwriters would just like give their left arm to be able to write songs like this. Right. Yeah. I mean, of the Bruce Springsteen songs, we both gave it a, a four, you know, compared to all the other ones. So. Yeah, that sounds good. And, um, and it doesn't slow, the record doesn't slow down. It goes right into A Good Man is Hard to Find, which is like a great song. That's true, which is funny, like, because other, like, this is a pretty steady river outtake box set or uh, disc. So, but <laughs> track one is a, is a river bo- outset, outtake. Track two is a Born in the USA outtake. A Good Man is Hard to Find, parentheses, Pittsburgh. This is like this is our Hall of Fame song. This is this is the this is the star player on this box set, as far as you and I are concerned. I think. Yeah, dude, and it is just beautiful. It's, it's such brutal. a good song. It's yeah, and one of my I mean, favorite songs to sing because the is, melody's just kind of got a really nice little lift to it. It does. Well, and I mean, yeah. it says something. We talked about this song because it starts with just the the word a. We talked about the song in the first week or two of this podcast, and that we right. made it all the way to here, four and a half years later, and we're still we're still just as positive on the song. If not, yeah. Um, I'm more positive on it every time I listen to it. Love it. I think I am too. And it, it's told, and for those who are unfamiliar with the song, it's told from the perspective, it's a, it's a slower song. It's, it's told from the perspective of a mother on Christmas Eve who has to go and tell her kid that her daddy isn't coming home from war. And it's like, it's gut wrenching. And th- this is one of the, I mean, it, and it's sort of, it's one of the, the first occurrences of the phrase, like talk, how Bruce talks about like the meanness in this world and just, and, and like a good man, it's hard to find, like you hear the title and you think it's going to be like a, a song about like romantic loss, but it's not, it's so much worse than that. It's about, it's about someone who uh, lost, a, or who lost a father and a husband in presumably in the Vietnam war. And yeah. now they're trying to figure out how we're going to do Christmas with this, with, with the knowledge of this hanging over our heads. And, well, think uh, about this. This entire song is beautiful. You take out the line about Christmas. Mm-hmm. It's still a beautiful song. Of the Christmas tree is, the, is, is just, you take that out and it's just, it's just any old place. But it's like you put of the Christmas tree and it's like the very specific sort of like suburban, like 60s ranch style. You know, like yeah. it, it just, that of the Christmas tree. You take that out and it, it's, the, it's still a sad sad beautiful song i don't know it's just like every line is like that though every line is like an essential fact it's cloudy out in pittsburgh it's raining in saigon like you know just Mm. it like it could just be it's still raining it could just be about a guy not necessarily a soldier but in saigon okay now he's a soldier yeah yeah man yeah i don't think he there's anything else in here that would lead you to believe that you know it could just be like a guy do you think he should have put this on nebraska Oh, dude. Yes, I absolutely do. I do too. I, I, I don't know if it's heresy to just say this song should have been on Nebraska, but I can't think of a good reason why it shouldn't be on Nebraska. You, you can know? even like take the drums and the very light organ out. Yeah. I mean, or piano. There's piano, organ, dr- drums, and acoustic. You could, I guess that's true. It's a little bit more produced. Than oh, and bass. Can. Yeah. It's, it's big, it's, it's stripped down though, big time. You can, you know, the other, but if you just did it on a guitar, it would still be gorgeous. I don't I know. So I, all the instruments. I don't know if the instruments would feel right on that record, but I mean, thematically it's, it's Nebraska hundred percent. 
I, I was thinking about this today. That Bruce, I mean, Bruce has written a lot of songs about grief, but he doesn't have an album that is fully just about grief. You know, he's got, I mean, he, yeah. he, he, um, he, he circles it a bunch, like with, with his acoustics, that with Nebraska goes to Tom Joad and Devils and Dust. And I mean, you could even argue in some ways with Western stars, he deals in, he, like grief is one of the tools in his toolboxes, but he's never really done a full album where he just unpacks all of the ways that grief manifests itself. And I feel yeah. like on this disc, you could probably piece together a pretty good album that is, it is largely about that, you know? Yeah, I I just look forward to like the day, decades and decades and decades from now, when Bruce puts out uh, Springsteen, um, the American recordings, volume one, <laughs> two, three, and four. Yeah, like those are going to be the best records we've ever heard about grief. Ooh, I wonder. It's going to be like I want it darker meets Dark Star meets the American recordings. Yeah, I mean if if during the, if during the Trump era slash coronavirus era, Bruce hasn't manifest, like if he hasn't been able to conjure one or two songs about grief. Yeah. And I'm, I'm concerned about his well-being. <laughs> Do you ever think about dark star? That's a great record. Side tangent. It's like, it's like the pop rock version of the book of Luke <laughs> dark star. I don't know. David Bowie. Black, black star. star, black star. The book of Luke. Yeah. Like in the Bible. The story of Jesus? Yeah, you mean the- that's like, Black Star is like the pop rock version of the book of Luke. <laughs> where I he's never- like, where he's like, right, like before he dies, before anyone knows he's sick, he mm. spends six months recording this like prophetic goodbye. Oh, I see, I see. And then, he, and then he turns off the lights and ascends into this, the stardust, you know? Like, yeah. Only David Bowie would, would would have had the foresight to make an album about his own death and then release it right before. I don't know. Died. Leonard Cohen's "I Want It Darker." It wasn't quite as closely timed. It was a year. You know, we need to do at some point. Maybe when we get to Western Stars, we need to do a top five list of final albums. Yeah, you know, or even like checkout albums. Oh, that 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 would be a dark journey. Clocking your ticket albums. It'd be interesting. Yeah. Also, yeah, we man. still need to do our top five Yabba Dabba Do songs. <laughs> yeah, we do. I have a it's, note card of that just like somewhere in my house. I wrote it down and I see I, it every now and then. And I'm like, <laughs> I think Bella already made that list. I think we, I maybe we need to, to just check list. in with her. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Well, let, let's, uh, let's keep it rolling. Uh, let's, so right. track three is Roulette. This is another outtake Dude, from the river. This is such a rock and roll song. This is such a good, it's about, um, for those who don't know, this is about nuclear fallout. That There, that there was... On Three Mile Island in Pennsylvania in 1979, there was a nuclear meltdown, and they had to evacuate the town. And uh, Bruce wrote this song three days after the news of the meltdown broke. So this is like a hot off the presses, ripped from the headlines kind of song. And this is Bruce's first official protest song. And it's like, this is sort of like a foreshadowing of a lot of the stuff he'll do later on with Born in the USA and Ghost of Tom Joad and Magic. And like, um, yeah. he, he's and itching dude, early for this kind of stuff. The music is... Like if a surf rock band got really into metal. Yeah, I, I did like, the song a lot. If a surf rock band got really into like uh, like Central American metal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It, do, it does have that sort of like propulsive. I really, I mean, not unlike a good man, it's hard to find. I'm flabbergasted that this never ended up on an album. And I realize like thematically, it probably had a hard time finding a home, especially on the river because the river is about like yeah. coming of age. And like, it's not really about nuclear fallout. I think he should have dusted this one off and put it on Born in the USA. Dude, and it's got like minor threat palm mutes. (laughs) You know, like, you know, like, (laughs) well, motorhead palm mutes. (laughs) Well, and not not to belabor it, but like the the thing I mentioned before about an album about grief, like just the image of like we left all the toys out in the yard and, you know, like we just had to leave everything behind because, yeah. You know, like if you're going to make an album about grief, this this needs to either be track one or track three. And yeah. Good Man is Hard to Find has to be somewhere up up top of that too. So, you yeah. know what I mean? Like Br- Bruce Springsteen has the makings of a perfect so- album exploring all the dimensions of grief. And this has to be part of it. Especially, I mean, look at yeah. it, like right now, what we're dealing with. I mean, we, you know what I'm Literally saying? Literally like, playing roulette. Oh my God. We are playing roulette every time, every, every one of you people out there who went to get your hair cut or went to a freaking mother's day church service or whatever it is that you did to put a bunch of other people in danger. You're playing roulette. You know what I mean? So 
Not to yeah, get dude. all like judgy about it, but like, it's cool. I've already done it once today. <laughs> yeah, you did it on Twitter. I'm just doing it on my podcast, which fewer people listen to. Um, and I realized like no, look, people more have to people live, listen people to our to podcast than follow me on Twitter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like just yeah, just hanging out, going to the friggin' Ozarks to get in the pool that has more people in it than you would get in if there wasn't a pandemic. Yeah. Can I just say, not to be like Ugh. the Ugh. the podcast that gives like real time updates, we're recording this on Wednesday after Memorial Day, um, five days after Memorial Day weekend began. And guess what? Today, Tarrant County, my where I live, had a spike in new um, infection rates and in, in new diagnoses. We so, have 318 statewide today, which is um, like we had 179 at the end of last week. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we are, we and we're are, opening full, all businesses can open on Monday. And it's like, we just had 313 cases today with 18 deaths. We're just whistling all the way past the graveyard, aren't we? Like, yeah, dude. Un- unbelievable. Like, uh, it, it, and I was having this conversation with my wife yesterday. It's, it's not that people, I, cause her, her response to my sort of frustration on this is like, people don't want to get this. People are still trying to be careful. I said, I agree. I don't think people want to get it. I think people think that they won't get it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I think everybody thinks they're just going to dance through the raindrops until this whole thing is over. And they, what they're doing is they're playing roulette. I don't think I'm going to get it. And I'm staying my ass at home anyway. I think if I go outside, I will absolutely get it. See, I don't think that. Like, I don't know you do. <laughs> I know that you're like worried about everyone else and also yourself. Yes. I'm not like, I really don't think I'm going to get it. I don't know how I would. Whatever well, I, I'm like very careful and I'm not, a, you know, but I'm still being very, very careful and we're staying home. Well, and it, I mean, the population density is, it has something to do with it as well, right? Like you said, you had 318 new cases yeah. today statewide. We, in, the, in my zip code, we had 151. Right, today. right. Like, so like we're, like obviously I, I'm, I'm in the third biggest county, county in the state of Texas and we are, we're, we're trending way up. Like my parents live in Oklahoma and they were going to a baseball game when I called them earlier and I was... Is Tarrant really the third biggest? Well, I, I don't know if it's the third big, biggest, but it's the third hottest right now. In terms oh, okay. of like uh, El Paso, my ah, Tarrant, I mean Fort Worth is pretty big. I, I want to say Tarrant is probably the third biggest behind Dallas and uh, Houston. I just figured Houston's like probably got multiple counties that. Well, are I mean, he, yeah, there's one county in Houston that's bigger than Dallas County and Tarrant County, but um, anyway, just one. <laughs> yeah, Harris County. I think. Oh, yeah. Okay. It goes as far as far as like new infection rate. It goes Harris County, then Dallas County, then Tarrant County. We're third. Well, so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so like my parents who live in Oklahoma were headed to a baseball game. I was very frustrated. My dad is 72 years old. If he gets this thing, he will go to the hospital. Um, but also in Oklahoma has fewer cases in the entire state than my County has in it. You know, like we're, right. we're, we're cooking over here. So, um, anyway, everybody, everybody do, you know, whatever is wise, wherever you are. But yeah. anyway, all that to say, we're talking about roulette. This song, the song was written in 1979. We are 41 years removed from it. And all of a sudden, it's like we're, we're all living on Three Mile Island. It's in Island. the news. Yeah. yeah. Like, so once again, Bruce's songs become more relevant as they get older. So anyway, that was Roulette. <laughs> and I love this song. I really, I, I, I do too. Really, we I, both, I gave it five and you gave it uh, four stars. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be interested in reconsidering my rating on that. But we don't Just have musically, it is like, if it wasn't about anything, it would still be like a really highly rated song for me. It's and then so it's like good. really good. Yeah. It's not too on the nose. No, no. As opposed to the next song, that was a nice transition you just did. I, I let, me, the, let me spike this up. Dollhouse, track four. Dollhouse. I this almost is, texted you, but then you called. Just like, dude, we're talking about Dollhouse tonight. Again. Who thought we'd be talking so about excited. Dollhouse again? Uh, Dollhouse is the metaphor that would not die. Dollhouse is maybe the hardest I've laughed in an episode at just like <laughs> at just lyrical content. I mean, it's it's a nice idea. He's talking about like you know he's he's sort of signing off on this relationship or from this relationship by basically saying like you've created a facade in your head and we're all sort of like playing in it, not unlike there's another song where he talks about like you know your projectors or something I can't remember but um, it's it's just one of those things where he takes one metaphor and he's like what if I just like beat it to death until it no longer has a face and um, yeah like what if i take er- 
if you've seen the new <laughs> the uh, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the last 10 minutes of the movie take an item from like every other second of the movie. And that's what this is. It's, it, is it is using every single piece inside of a metaphor and linking it to the other. Like, yeah. Like, not look, only look. are we talking about like how a house is kind of like your life, but it's also like about how like the toaster in a house. That's right. <laughs> specifically the tiny, tiny toaster in a little bitty dollhouse mm-hmm. is kind of like that fight we keep having in the bathroom every morning before work. That's right. So if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, yeah, but what about like the kitchen area? Yeah. We'll talk about that too. We'll get that into the song. All right, what about right, the right. what about the bathroom? Yes, we're going to talk about the we're going to talk about every every little nook and cranny of this dollhouse. We're going to make it work inside this metaphor. We will crowbar everything we can into this one single metaphor into this right. proverbial dollhouse. We're going to put it all, and then we'll flip it over and talk about how it's also about how little we are in this whole big scheme, and so we're shrinking ourselves down to size. If we wanted to approach this metaphor from a different angle, yeah. sort of in a different musical uh, sort of mode, in a different portion of the song. We're living in a dollhouse, man. Don't you see? It's the government. They've got us in this dollhouse, and they're watching us. This song is a guy named Ted with three Ds <laughs> sitting in the corner just asking every single person who walks by if they want a dube. Hey, man, you want to tote this dube? And if anyone says yes, he's like, hey, man, what do you know about simulation theory? You ever feel like we're just living in a dollhouse? Because I, think- I, uh, I saw a hack in the simulation <laughs> today. I saw chocolate hummus at the grocery store. That's not real, bro. And then he's like, you want some more of this? You want some more of this dude? And he's like, and then he's like, stay with me. And then you're stuck. Then you can't get out of the conversation. Yeah, this, this, song, yeah, yeah. this song is a conversation you can't get out of. <laughs> You're like, man, so, Ted's weed is good, and I can't get out of this couch, and all I want to be is not here hearing him wear this dollhouse metaphor out. <laughs> He's just not going to stop. It will not quit. Not going to stop. That's uh, what this song is, and I, uh, that's it. We did not say that this is also an outtake from the river, also on the Ties of the Vine box set. So yes. uh, then track five is Where the Bands Are. This is a good song. Yeah, this is a all- good song. Also an outtake from the river, also on the Ties the Bind box set. Also a song that I have owned no fewer than twice uh, in my life. So uh, yeah, this would have been good on the river. I think the critical consensus seems to be that this should have ended up on the river somewhere. Even Bruce has speculated that he could have switched this song out with Out in the Street. Um, except if he had done that, then we'd be living in a world where he hadn't included Out in the Street, which seems worse. Yeah, Out in the Street is, is, is uh, a song I prefer to this one. And now that I don't like this song, um, this is a Out in the song Street song is a quintessential Bruce Springsteen song. It's, it's Out in the Street is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, 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 oh. I mean, can you imagine a world in which Out in the Street is an outtake? We're sitting here talking about I don't tra- know what like I would inside. sing every time we pull out of the driveway on the way to school in the morning. <laughs> I don't, what, would you, what would come after Hungry Heart? I ask you, what would you have done? <laughs> How could so, I be a dad without singing out in the street every time we pull out of the driveway? I mean, he's played that song so many times live. I can't, I can't imagine him just not having that in his live show. For I couldn't have, if I went and saw him and he didn't play it, I would just assume that he did. You know, it's funny you say that. Having seen him as many times as I have, like I, I have had to, I definitely have seen him do it. I've definitely seen him do it more than once. I'm not 100% sure that he's done it at every show, but it's possible that he has. I don't think he has. I don't think he did it the first time I saw him, but I think he's done it. And it's possible that he has another lyric or multiple other lyrics that make you want to go, well, oh, and then you're like, yeah, we did Out in the Street and that other song at the same time. It's You know how enduring Out in the Street is? We're talking about the song Where the Bands Are, and we've spent the last two minutes talking about Out in the Street. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Where the Bands Are. Where the Bands Are is good. I want to be where the bands are. Yeah. Out on the landing in the summer, playing Kiss Covers. It's also, Um, you know, friggin' punk rock, too. Yeah. So I like that. You know, some good punk rock sounds on this uh, disc, too. Well, and once again, like, kind of making the case for Stephen Van Zandt's point, which is, like, Mm -hmm. this may be one of the best E Street Band albums nobody ever heard. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Followed by another pretty good song, which is Loose Ends. Which is also an outtake from the river, and also on the ties the bind box set. Loose ends. Isn't loose ends track oh, six? Yeah, it is. Sorry, I don't have it in one version of my notes. Oh man, you it. just gave me that showed up for finals with no pants on feeling. Uh, no, you gave it to me too. I I don't know how. I missed this one in my notes, but I got it. All right, so yeah, loose ends is where we're at now, and uh, I I don't remember what I feel like I gave the song. 
um, an unfairly low rating. Did I give this one a three? No, we both gave it fours. Okay, good. Because I was thinking, like, this is a four. I don't remember if I gave it a four, though. So, okay, good, good. It's a four. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a love song. It's basically like, you know, meet me tonight out on the loose ends. It's, it's another meet me on a somewhere. Bruce really likes making plans to meet people. Yeah. You know, that's another, that's I, another playlist we should make. It's like all, like all the different songs where Bruce makes plans with people. Yeah. <laughs> meet me here. Meet me there. Hey, yeah. hey, I got to meet somebody. Where is this bus going to stop? All, all the songs where either the chorus or the refrain could have been the subject of an email on a Friday afternoon to all your coworkers. <laughs> I want to, if there's someone out there who has more songs about streets, just in their general catalog, I want to know. I, there's no way. I mean, that's kind of Bruce's, that's his bread and butter. Streets, cars, yeah. you know, America. That's yeah. what he does, man. Except Bob Dylan famously, made more songs about America. Famously, like, d- didn't America. really drive for a while. <laughs> yeah. A guy, yeah, a guy who did not own a car and did not know how to drive, <laughs> but knew a whole lot about singing about cars. So, the first time he drove was across the country. Yeah. So Loose Ends is a very good song. Do you have any, I mean, it's, again, it's weird to talk about stuff that we've already talked about years ago, but, like, it's 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 a very good song. It's a good pop song. I, it would have been, like, I mean, I'm kind of with Little Steven at this point. Like, man, you, maybe they should have just taken tracks this too and released it as an album. You know? Yeah, it's it's good. It's got some good crooning. Uh, you know, you could cut Dollhouse from it because it's seven. It's it's so long. It's seventeen songs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you could trim it. Also, you could trim uh, "Stolen Car" and "Born in the USA" because those are the other yeah. albums. So, like, yeah, make you, him, you or could, make them like uh, bonus tracks. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. You could used to bonus tracks were hidden inside of a CD. And you had to like rewind after going to a new track, a CD, yeah. like a like a security like, deposit, like no, like a compact disc, a certificate of deposit, certificate of deposit, yeah, security, security deposit is an S, yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> we got great rates on CDs and MMAs. We're about to get bombarded with those ads. Oh, yeah. Tell me about six it. months. In six months, we're going to get so bombarded with those ads. Man, I just I'll, I'm curious to see what <laughs> what civilization looks like in six months, in six weeks. Um, what, 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 however it looks though, JB, I'll tell you this, you can meet me on the loose ends of civilization because that's, right. <laughs> that's where I'll be. So yeah, the loose ends, the loose ends of the edge of the world. Oh, the next song track seven, living on the edge of the world. Also Boom. an outtake from the river plot twist. Also on the ties of the bind box set. <laughs> uh, so this definitely feels like a reminiscent of the Ramones, which is funny because like he wrote hungry heart for the Ramones. But this song sounds way more like a Ramon song than Hungry Heart ever has, you know? Yeah. Living on um, the edge of the world. I think Bella got to see him do this. That's a Ramon's thing. Yeah. Like the <laughs> Yeah, it's good, man. Yeah. It's got fun uh, background vocals. It's a breakneck. You know, it's a little yeah. disorganized, but it's fun. It is. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's funny. Like, we can sort of see the fingerprints of the river sessions all over a lot of these songs. And I, I definitely see it here, but this, this is one of the only ones that we've gotten to so far from those sessions where I'm like, I don't, I don't need it. You know what I mean? Like I I'm, I'm fine that he left this one off. It's fine. Can you imagine his career if he sang like this on all of his songs? I don't think I, I don't think I would have wanted to start a podcast about him. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> Oh man, that is. So, I would. I want to listen to it now, though. Well, sure. Yeah. At, at the age of seventy, I want to hear him do this <laughs> a bunch. Um, oh, I don't want to hear him like re-release it. I just wish that that existed too. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, any any other thoughts on this song? No, there's nothing to really say about it except that it's like a fun. It's a, like a really fun upbeat punk rock song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and we talked about this a little bit last time when we talked about a couple of the outtakes from like the born to run and while the innocent sessions, but this sounds like one he probably wrote thinking like, this will get people up on their feet. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if there's a lull, yeah. this is a good one to sort of like rope them back in. I, I can see him yeah. feeling that out. Uh, For sure. Unlike the next song track eight, which is wages of sin. Talk about bringing it down. Yeah. It reminds me of like a uh, DC talk, like back <laughs> half of the record song. <laughs> yeah. I can see that. You know, like the Kevin Max, Michael tight Tate collaboration. Oh right. Well, it's even got that no. Bible like wages of sin is a is a phrase from the Book of Romans. This <laughs> right, is right. this is an outtake from the Born in the USA sessions. And Wiki, I should say Wikipedia actually has this incorrect, or it did when I looked it up because Wikipedia has it listed as a river outtake, but it was recorded at the Power Station in New York City, May tenth, nineteen eighty two, which firmly puts it in the Born in the USA Born in the USA 
era. Um, I think this yeah. could have been an okay Nebraska song. Um, in fact, there's some similar language here to my father's house, you know, so it, it's yeah. reminiscent of that kind of stuff. I don't like it more than I like anything on Nebraska though. Right. I like if it was swapped out father's house, maybe I would actually maybe like it more if it was on an acoustic guitar, you know, it's funny in my, in my mind, it is on an acoustic guitar, but you're right. No dude. It's on like a timpani <laughs> and, uh, yeah, like, like a, a really, there's a little bit of synth, but there's like a lot of like heavily mic'd hotel ballroom piano. Mm. Yeah. With, yeah. With the synth pad under it in some places. Yeah. It's funny in my, like having, in fact, I listened to it today. I'm not unfamiliar with the song, but in my, in my imagination, this is an acoustic guitar song. And well, in the very middle of it, there's like the, uh, it sounds like chimes yeah. with like David Bowie stardust sounds under the chimes. <laughs> like, yeah. Whoa! Like there's a moment where you feel like you're in that weird cult where they all went out wearing like white Nike sneaks or Reeboks oh. or whatever. Or like Branch Davidians and Waco callback. Yeah. Except they were like into metal. They were into like metal. That's true. They were. Yeah. I, I did not know. By the way, if you Google the name David Koresh. you see Koresh, those big, heavy, beautiful PV speakers? <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they really, they, they went straight back to what people were probably using. Uh, it was, they it just go- felt so familiar because PVs are built in Mississippi. And so like every weird church gathering, like the sound guy, you know, it was like, yeah, man, I knew Mr. PV myself. You know, I, he hooked me up with this whole rig, you know. Man, that setup definitely looked like a, a church youth group uh hangout space yeah their their chapel area um in in fact weird to see supergirl in that movie that that weirded me out yeah for sure um and the uh the biographer of the president in um house of cards ah never seen house of cards um Uh, well don't (laughs) i'm probably not going to it's funny they they were trying to get you to start watching it by using like robin wright as the as the selling point on the netflix ads and i'm like yeah i haven't caught up and i'm probably not gonna like you can't trick me into believing kevin spacey's not in this now so and it's one of those like he's kind of like uh to me like louis you can't write adams is like it's one thing if you can like separate the work but is (laughs) his character in that show was what he was you know, like found to be in trouble for. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, well, and I mean, I mean, get off on a Kevin, Kevin Spacey tangent. Like I'll still watch like the usual suspects, even though Brian Singer and Kevin Spacey are deeply problematic people. That movie is very formative to me or like seven, like there, there are certain movies he's in that I can't just like toss out. But like you said, like if he's like the guy, the one guy on the poster and like the big selling point, apparently like there are plot points that are very reminiscent of what he actually did in real life. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll skip that (laughs) for sure. Um, Anyway, speaking of wages of sin, Kevin Spacey doesn't get to make movies no more. Yeah. Um, And then we're back in the river sessions, weirdly, uh, with Take Them As They Come. Take Them As They Come. This is another outtake from the river, also on the Ties of the Bind box set. This is very pop punk. This is my favorite thing that I learned today as I was getting ready for this. Jimmy World has a cover of this song. I assume you knew this. Is it good? It's great. I'm it sure is. it is. In fact, if you listen to it, you're like, oh, right. This sounds more like a Jimmy World song than like a Bruce Springsteen song. It's I love that that's what they picked. It was, I know. Um, to cover. It's, you know, it's like almost too, you, you would, oh, it's on Big Casino or uh, Chase's oh, Light? Light. Yeah. It, it was a, yeah, it was I a bonus track. Oh, it's a bonus track. Yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. Doesn't it sound good? I love Jim Atkins. Uh, like sometimes he gets really up in his head and kind of nasal and you're like, I don't know, it's maybe I'm kind of past this. And then he like goes into the like breathy chest voice and like really shouts and you're just like, Oh wow. Jim Atkins is, and he's playing lead guitar. Come on. Like you said, that they picked this. That they didn't pick something off of, of, of a major album. They, yeah, and, like Born in the USA or something. They picked the song that, like, this deep cut that sounds exactly like a song they've written. I mean, I totally, yeah, I totally could have seen them doing, like, No Surrender or, like, any number of songs from The River or something like that. But that they, they went all the way, like, they dug all the way down into Tracks Disc 2. And, and I know that Zach Lynn, the drummer, is 
a pretty big Bruce Springsteen fan. In fact, I've, yeah. I, he and I have a mutual friend and I've reached out to that person and asked him if he would help me get him on the show. And it has not been, it isn't, uh, it's, I didn't know I mean, that. That's uh, surprising, though, because this seems like the kind of weird thing that he would do. Well, I mean, it's not that I like it, it. I don't think the message has gotten to Zach Land. I think my friend has just not like oh, he, he's not let me exploit our friendship the way I, I have wanted him to. <laughs> so it, I love. OK, so that is maybe my favorite cover of any Bruce Springsteen oh, song ever. This is such a good cover. Isn't it so good? I'm, I was like shocked. I was like, the, I kind of want Jimmy World to cover course. all the songs on disc two. Like this is very good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, take them as they come. And then we roll into track 10, which is Be True. I love this song. I know. I remember you like very, like you went, you went for this song pretty heavy. And I, I like yeah. it. I, just, I, don't, I don't think I went for it as, as strongly as you did. Also an outtake from the river, also on the Ties the Bind. Uh, this was actually slotted for the Ties the Bind single album in 1979. Uh, and it definitely, I think it definitely should have ended up on an album. This is, this feels was like- it a B-side at some point? I'm sure. I'm sure it did come out as a B-side. I didn't know. I yeah. Didn't, it, it's in my notes it from somewhere in my notes that it's a b-side that sounds i don't right. know to what though um it, it's a very good song though and it i, I think it is uh, this is one of the times i'm sure Stephen van, van sant was like i will kill you <laughs> if you don't put this on an album somewhere yeah um so yeah be true and then uh well i mean it's almost the same thing as like if i fall behind or would you wait for me? Should I fall behind? Or should you fall behind? I'll wait for you. That's true. You know what? It's a like, lot of the, it's the same sentiment, just at a different age, you know? You know, if, if Bruce had taken a bunch of these songs and put them on Human Touch instead of a bunch of the songs that ended up on Human Touch, <laughs> Human Touch would be one of the great Bruce Springsteen. Well, this is a song about Human Touch. So is that one. So I know. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like a lot of this material is Human Touch material. Loose ends. A good man is hard to find. I'm Restless sure Rendezvous nights. was relevant then too, and relevant would have been awesome with that band. I mean, yeah. I, this version of it's incredible, but I'm just saying it would have translated that band in a big way. Yeah, that other guy playing guitar, I forget his name. I always forget his name. I could see him in his super ripped jeans. The guy with the wide open shirt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. So yeah, um, but yeah, this, this, this is a good song. Like, you're, you're right. You're, it, it is not that distant from If I Should Fall Behind. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got track 11 which is ricky wants a man of her own which is the uh young girl wants a boyfriend and her parents aren't into it it's a classic trip we both gave it two stars it's whatever man yeah i remember i remember not liking sort of like the framing device of there being like an older brother who's like kind of controlling (laughs) you know uh yeah i mean it would be fine on like the doo-wop record you know I guess. It, I mean, it's, do I even need to say at this point? It's an outtake from the river. Also on the ties of the bone box set. And then uh, track 12, which is I Want to Be With You, which is the greatest song that John Mellencamp never wrote. And <laughs> I love this song. I do too. This is one of my favorite songs on this box set. This is, again, Stephen Van Zandt kind of has a point. This is a very good disc. Oh, um, dude, I only gave this a three. I gave it a four. Is that correct? You did. I, so this is a four. This is maybe a five. If you want to go to five, I'll go. Well, let's just drop this sucker in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you want to drop it in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's let's do it. I'll I'll do it. All like right. let's hold hands and jump off the cliff together, like Butch and Sundance. <laughs> I love we'll this, this song in. so much. All right, I'm highlight. I'm fixing it in all of my files. Oh, I want to be with you. I love it. Yeah, it's very good. Um, it's, it's fun, just man. Like I would love to see this live. I think we did. We see this live? No, we didn't. He didn't do we any didn't. any of the outtakes at the River Show. Oh, I could have sworn I've seen this live. Nah. Well, I would love to have seen great. it. I, I said he did meet me in the city, obviously. He didn't do any of the other ones. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny. Like, he's promoting this box set. Like, hey, man, do, yeah, do, more, do more outtakes from the box set. I mean, far so beyond me, uh, how to do a concert. Say what? Uh, sorry. I was just going to move on to the next one, but you, yes, you please. started making a point. Yeah. So we got Mary Lou. Also an outtake from the river. Also on the Times yeah. of the Bind box set. I have nothing to say about this song. It's fine. Mary Lou. Well, it's like this song of, I think I said this in our original episode, this song became Be True. Like he was like, nah, be, I like sentiment, but I want to do something else. So. I think that's right. Yeah. It, it's one of his Mary songs. Like I think we did like four or five episodes about songs with the word Mary at the front. Mary's yeah. Place, Mary Queen of Arkansas, Mary Mary, Mary, Mary Lou. Lou. Has I any, do love did anybody notice Mary that Bruce Springsteen is Catholic, Catholic and uses yeah. the name Mary a bunch? <laughs> I do like to just shout Mary Lou a bunch. Like I'm sure if I ever met someone named Mary Lou, which I don't think I have anytime recently, I'd be like, Mary Lou. It'd be, it'd be your Linda. Let me be the one. Your Linda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only, yeah. The only way, the only way Jesse's uh, marital situation could have been even more Springsteen centric is if he had married uh, a woman named Mary Lou. 
Nah. Or yeah, man, this is a great song. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's fun. It's is it possible that Linda's middle name is Mary Lou? Mary like Lou. all one word? Lin- Linda Mary, Mary Lou? Like Mary Lou Linda. Yeah. Mary Linda Lou. You feel like we talk about Jesse and Linda too much? <laughs> no, dude, they're the sweetest. They are the best. Yeah, Jesse, if you're out there, we love you, man. We think about hey, you man. all the time. We think about you almost as much as we think about Bruce Springsteen, apparently. <laughs> Uh, all right. So yeah, we got Mary Lou, which does not require a lot more discussion. We've got Stolen Car. This is the alternate version. Out, take from the River, also on the Ties of the Blind Box set. This is, we, we spent a lot of time. If you go back to our episode where we just talked about Stolen Car, JB like specifically goes through like column by column each song, like each version of Stolen Car. And we, we do a pretty thorough job of breaking down the difference. So we're definitely not going to do that again. Just know that there are alternate versions of this. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, thematically it's the same thing it's very similar to the the one that ended up on the album which is basically like this is not my beautiful house this is not my beautiful car yeah it's a stolen driving a stolen car yeah and then we have an out we have a demo of born in the usa track 15 yeah amazingly this is a nebraska outtake because originally born in the usa was supposed to be a nebraska song until max weinberg started slapping that snare drum and uh john landau saw stars in his eyes well yeah it's this is not like the ver- I'm I'm glad this is the version that went into the world, you know. Yeah, me too. Um, although I do like the acoustic version that he does on the Broadway show. I think that's very good. But it, yeah. neither of those was ever going to rise to the level of just iconic songs that w- the album version did. You know, right? It would be a song that we talked about on here, and we'd be like, you know, I never really think about the song, but I really love the lyrics. <laughs> we'd probably be talking about like, oh, what an interesting protest song this this was, and not like, yeah, this was. Bruce had to send a cease and desist letter to Ronald Reagan because he was using it at his campaign rallies. You know, right. it's a different level. Instead of us being like, oh man, this feels like a sort of, you know, sort of like raggedy Dylan, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and then you've got Johnny Bye Bye on track yep. 16, which is another Born in the USA outtake. There's a co-write credit here. It's, it's, it's credited as co-written by Chuck Berry because it's pretty much lifted from a Chuck Berry song, which is called Bye Bye Johnny. Uh, it's, it's, it is a loving adaptation of, a, of the Chuck Berry song, and it's meant to be a farewell to Elvis Presley. Because he's got a whole right, lot of trouble running through his veins. And because Elvis stole, you know, a lot that, from people. <laughs> I wonder, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if Bruce was even that intentional about it. That is interesting that, like, as a, as a tribute to Elvis Presley. I think Bruce Presley, probably thought about it in that way, but, like, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's totally true. It's, it's interesting that Bruce is like, I need to do a tribute to Elvis Presley. I should borrow something from Chuck Berry since Elvis, like, basically became... A, a superstar by stealing things from Chuck Berry. So yeah, yeah. Not that Elvis was like uh, intentionally appropriating culture. Like he lived on he. I, I live in the town. Like he lived on the other side of the tracks. He was very poor, and like most of it, you know, like he spent most of his time like with a very mixed crowd as a kid. So yeah, but he. I mean, he he was a white acceptable thing for rock and roll. Oh, he yeah, he got way more famous than you know anyone else would have. Yeah, there, there's no yeah. Chuck, Chuck Berry was never going to be dubbed the king of rock and yeah, roll. Yeah, no, and, yeah, he, yeah. Chuck Berry could have put out Elvis's exact catalog and and would not have gotten as famous. It is it it is, and I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but it is funny though that in Bruce's <laughs> tribute to Elvis Presley, he appropriates a song from Chuck. I know, Chuck right? Berry. That's so funny. <laughs> Um, now, though, I, now that all that said, uh, or what I said earlier about like Bruce has inside his outtakes a an album about grief that would have been really good. This song for sure should have been on that grief album. You know, it's about yeah. saying goodbye to your hero. It's about like somebody. I mean, you didn't have to die is like the refrain here. You know, like yeah. you you sort of you you had this amazing life. You still had so much left in you, and you just sort of um, flush yourself down the toilet almost like almost literally. And um, yeah, that is sort of the tragedy of it. And I mean, and of course we, we all know like Bruce was deeply affected when the news of Elvis Presley's death reached him. And, um, yeah. and so, yeah, he, the, the, the line of the man on the radio says Elvis Presley died. Like that meant something to him. And um, I, you know, I, I don't know if I can identify directly with that. Um, I remember when I heard that Tom Petty died and that was, that felt, that was an emotional moment for me. And, so I, I don't know if I had as strong a reaction to that as Bruce had when Elvis died, but you know. I can't imagine. I remember the day that um, Scott Weiland died and like, I knew that day was coming for, since the day I found out who he was and it affected me. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Like, th- yeah, there's some people who it's like, you kind of saw it coming. Scott Weiland, Amy Winehouse. Like there are some of them who were like, well, I guess we should have been somewhat ready for that news, but at the same time, it's, yeah. it's still very sad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Johnny Bye Bye. And then the final track, another one that I think would be a good grief album edition is Shut Out the Light. And this is, it's a Born in the USA outtake and it's about a Vietnam veteran suffering from PTSD, which is not a thing a lot of people were just writing songs about at that time. And quite frankly, I really wish this had ended up on an album. I, I wish this, I mean, I realize that it's a little bit too stripped down for Born in the USA. This, I think this would have been another one that would have been really good on Nebraska. Or um, even if he'd, I mean, I realize like he'd already put out tracks, but like even if he'd considered like maybe updating it a little bit and putting it on like Magic, you know, like I, I think this would have been a really interesting song to have um, on an official album. I like this song. Yeah, you know, I do too. It's part of the sort of lineage of songs that inspired the. I think Kevin Devine uh, when he wrote this great protest song where he's like, "You say support the troops, I do. I want them all brought home." Like yeah. Bruce really. Bruce really walked that line where he wasn't like, he's like, I don't want this war, but also like, I want all these guys who fought in this unjust war that the government knew was going nowhere. I want them to be okay. Well, and, and Bruce, like humans. yeah. And, and Bruce has always done a really good job of making it about the human life. But at stake. Yeah. I mean, and good man is hard to find. It's probably the best example of that. Like, look, we're, right. we're sending, you, you think you're sending like names and numbers off to, to war. And I'm telling you, you're sending fathers and husbands off to war, you know? And like, even well, when that's because he knew that like, someone got a letter that said, send me a thousand soldiers and a thousand kids showed up and he was like, uh, I'm sick yeah, (laughs) or whatever. And they were like, all right. And then he walked out and they said, next, someone else walked up. Yeah. He he definitely talks about that on his book. And like he, so yeah, these songs like this are very deeply felt him because he knows it. Like there's someone dead and he has this amazing life and career because he didn't fight. Cause you know, he dodged with his friends. Yeah. And he definitely like that. The song, the wall is, is the one where he like directly expresses that, that emotion. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Like he, I, I think probably ever since the day he didn't get sent to Vietnam, I think there's been a part of him. that's like, I, I could have been a name on that wall. It's, it's yeah. like almost feeling like he should have been a name on that wall. Like just the, the survivor's guilt that he carries with him is very real. And so that he keeps writing from the perspective of soldiers who have returned or the family members of people that are, I mean, th- those are not abstract ideas to him. He's imagining that's his life or his loved ones or his, you know, that, that could, that could have been a story about him. And um, I, I, th- I think that has never left him. And probably that is one of the things that has kept him as a, as a global superstar. That's probably one of the things that has continued to ground him and remind yeah. him like, how fortunate he is and how um how close he came to having a whole different story so that's it those are those are the songs on tracks disc too it it is it's a strong disc man i mean there's a lot of songs that bruce has cast off that i i could take or leave but mostly this is this is an album this is one i could put on without if if you if you took away the other three discs and you were like if if you had high if if they had high hopes this thing and just been like here i'd have been into it yeah yeah that we, we'd be saying i like this about, about as much as i like high hopes yeah yeah well um, and that's the thing it's like if high hopes had been four discs we yeah. probably wouldn't we, it probably would have been harder to to digest and right and so that that this is surrounded by so much other stuff makes it hard to separate it and just say like tracks this too but really like i i have to sort of echo not fully but partially at least echo what steven van zandt said which is like this is I, i'm not gonna say it's the best Eastry band album but it's a good Eastry band album yeah, it is. I guess it's good. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, if you whittled it down from 17 to like 12 or 15 or 10. It would be, it would be, a, it would be incredible. Great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it is a little, like with the with the demos and the alternate version, like it is a little bit bloated, but yeah, like you said, you could easily trim it a little bit and make yeah. it into a really, really strong album. Oh, all right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. We'll be back in the feed next time with Tracks Disc 3. I have a feeling Stephen Van Zandt probably does not feel as strongly about that one as he does this one, nope. but we'll see. Yeah. So um, if you are one of our patrons, you can jump over to the bonus feed and we're going to be talking about our top 10 movies from the 2010s, from the uh, Something decade. that is going to be much easier for me than for Rob because I've watched thousands fewer movies than you in the last decade hey man i'm ready i've been i've been getting ready for this conversation for six months yeah i was like feeling really bad about it and i was like man i feel so bad for him then i remember the last month last week and we got books coming up so like yeah for real (laughs) jeez we could do it i could do 200 
yeah, books is going to be interesting because, you know, you read books from every era. So, um, yeah. anyway. But, All right. So, uh, so if you want to be a part of that conversation, you can go over to the, the Patreon feed and, and do that. If you give at any level, you can uh, subscribe to all the bonus content and see all of that. And if not, you know, thanks for listening to this version of the podcast. This is the main feed. We're very proud of this. So if you're only listening to this, thanks so much for being here with that. And we'll be back again. We'll be back next time with Tracks This 3. So everybody have a good one and we'll see you. Then.